You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Hello and welcome to the weekly review on Radio Primavera Sound. Uh, it is Friday the 16th of June and this is something like uh, a weekly review line noise crossover stroke early line noise throwback episode because we are joined by none other than Philip Sherbourne. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks Ben. Thanks for having me here. You're very like welcome. times. Exactly, it is. Apart from we don't have eight bottles of wine <laughs> <laughs> on the table in front of us. Yeah, I mean, uh, 11. I mean, it's tempting, obviously, but maybe not, not at 11, 11 in the morning. That would be, uh, but yeah, are you good? Yeah, 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 I am good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling fresh. I'm ready for another day of festivalizing today. Exactly. And then another day after that? And then another day after that. Because this is, well, this, is, this is one of the reasons, I mean, you're, you're a man of, of many, many things, but one of the reasons I want to bring here is, is to talk about Sonar, which uh, kicked off yesterday. It's the 30th anniversary edition. Um, we both went yesterday. We're going tonight uh, and and Saturday, and uh, it was good. But so yeah, I, mean, I guess we can start off with yesterday. Quick review. Your yeah, highlights. My highlights. Um, I would say my highlights were Marina Herlop. Uh, highlight number one. I mean, I've seen her and her band. I think this was maybe the fourth time now, and I, I thought it was just fantastic. I mean, it's always great when she has Tartarelena with her. Um, then she had, for the first time, um, was she she had her usual uh, percussionist, but then for the first time she also had like a, a, a trio of flutists, which was new, um, and they were really, really cool addition to her sound. And then uh, she also had a woman playing castanets. Which was lovely. Yeah, yeah, and totally, you know, it, it really fit the kind of the the rhythmic feel of her music, and yeah. So anyway, that was great. One of Trick's point never was really cool. He was doing um, what I understood to be a lot of music from the Rifts era, from you know, like a decade or more ago. That he had kind of he he told me in an email that he had um, sort of reverse engineered that stuff because it was all it just exists as like a two track audio file. Basically there are no stems. So he had to sort of rebuild that in order to perform it live. And it was really full on and intense and not what I expected at all to hear that music sounding like, I mean, it was really the the hall was full. Um, the walls were shaking kind of thing. It was really good. And then, um, yeah, the, the, I enjoyed the Char Charlotte Dadigerie Boris Pupil performance quite a lot. Um, that was like way dancier and kind of partier than I expected. Yeah, I, I, so I wanted to go back to Marina Herlop kind yeah. of briefly because it was the third time I'd seen her. And what I, what I, uh, one of the things I enjoyed was it was like the other times, but slightly different, like the, the flautist that came along. Mm -hmm. um, she kind of switched up a bit. And I thought it was like, Maybe the perfect gig for her because, like, we saw we we, we both saw her at um, I forgot what it's called, um, Mutech, I think it was. Yes, 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 right. Uh, and that was great. And I saw her in Primavera LA, which um, was kind of not not exactly the kind of perfect place, but I thought like Sona was, was just absolutely perfect, like thousands of people there for her. I didn't get a sense really of how full the room was because I was right up at the front, but certainly the energy up in front was was amazing, and you can see how. I mean, I like her as a performer because she she just gives it her all. She has this incredible charisma. You know, it's like she's she's enjoying it so thoroughly, and and it's just kind of infectious. Because I was yeah, this was something we were talking about. It's like she makes electronic 
uh, very experimental music. Very experimental very. music when you think yeah, about yeah. it. Um, but she's got loads of charisma, and there's not that many people who have. I mean, one of the tricks point never. I don't know. I've never met him. I've got. I've got no idea. He might be very, very charismatic. I really don't know. But like that, that doesn't happen in the show. It's just like him sort of playing things and very yeah, experimental it's music, purely sonic for for one of Tricks Point Never Know. And she's. I mean, obviously, you know, she's singing, and so that that adds a whole other dimension of sort of personality to it. But but also just the way her stage presence. Um, she smiles a lot. You know, it's yeah. like there. That's. It sounds very kind of basic and simple, but but it's it makes a difference. You know. And was wearing a crazy outfit and with her hair and, and uh, some kind of crazy yeah, uh, get up. I, I mean, couldn't... she's her her sort of stage fashions that, you know, I just sort of follow them on Instagram have been getting crazier and crazier. And the hair thing yesterday was was really wild. So um, I was, uh, what, what was I? Sorry, I just, I just had a thought it just escaped me. Um, oh, yes, that's it. So I, I, I'm a bit conflicted about this, right? Because there's someone I want to compare Marina Herlop to. And it's just like, yeah, but all women who make experimental electronic music get compared to Björk. And on one on the one hand, I feel like, oh, come on, surely I can do better than that. And on the other, it's like, there's really strong <laughs> comparisons. I, I, gotta, I, I gotta say. I mean, where do you see the comparisons? Uh, Björk in the flutes, for example. Yeah, like okay. Br- Björk's not her recent tour, but the one before had like a flute ensemble. She had to base a whole flute album. Um, and uh, in the fact that she uh, experiments with the voice, which is something Björk does yeah. a lot as well. Um, and the fact that there are kind of poppy melodies among lots of experimentation. Um, and also, I guess, generally in the fact that she's very charismatic. So is Björk. And, you know, she does dress up in, in interesting outfits, as, as does Björk. Um, so I, I spent a long time trying to think of someone yesterday to compare her to that wasn't Björk because it is such such a cliche and and people like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. And have you come up with anybody? No, that that was my problem. That's yeah. why I had to sort of. I mean, maybe maybe there's nobody comparable. Yeah, you know, I yeah, mean, she's yeah, yeah. really doing her own thing. Like I I see the Björk connection in you know less stylistically and more. Um, in sort of, and, and it's a word that I hesitate to use, but like the quirkiness of the project or the yeah, strangeness yeah. of the project. Um, but I also, I mean, obviously Bjork's been a lo- around for much longer and Marina's only done one record so far. And so we'll see. Three. I know. Yes, you're right. You're right. One, you're right. But one kind of electronic record. Yeah, yeah. exactly. One kind of pure piano record, one sort of electronic piano fusion record, and, and then the the breakout record. And my feeling is Marina maybe has a more unified vision than Björk because Björk has changed so radically from record to record, but it's too early to say. I mean, the other person I suppose you could compare uh, Marina Herlop to, but you end up going in a bit of a circle, is Tata Relena, because it's like... yeah. Um, but then, you know, they're they're running a sing with her and um and again, she doesn't sound like particularly like any of these people, but I don't know. You you know what journalists are like. <laughs> You'd like to say someone's like somewhere. I was trying to think, you know, are are there any male artists that we could compare her to that sort of somebody hiding in plain sight, but I mean they're, they're, But somebody who uses their voice that Do you know who I did think of randomly? Uh 
Jamie Liddell. Yeah. Someone I've not thought about in absolutely It's funny, why, who, I just spoke with somebody the other day and Jamie, I was interviewing. Who was I interviewing? And I know when I was, um, when I was with Roisin Murphy and Jamie Liddell came up and as like kind of an, an, somebody that she had like really idolized for a period, you know, and um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing these days. No, I haven't heard that from him in ages. The, the last from... I knew was he moved to um, Nashville. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe he has a family in Nashville and I think he's like writing songs for other people. But yeah, some of the early like live looping sampling kind of stuff that he was doing. I mean, there's some comparison there. I mean, it's, it's not a good one, but let, uh, let's maybe get away from the comparisons. We just say it was fantastic. It, it was, was fantastic. Abso- absolutely brilliant, brilliant show. One of Tricks Point Never, who who we both saw as well. Why is he going back to Rifts? I mean, that's like 2009. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know to be to be perfectly honest because that. I mean, it's it's that's quite different than his last stuff. I mean, what the last album was Magic One of Tricks Point Never. No, which yes, and yeah. which kind of felt like a summation of everything that he'd done to date. I think, and then because the pre was the previous album was that the sticky age of a ah I always forget about age of that's right yeah yeah um so I I what I found really fascinating with him was like basically the room when he started off was absolutely packed and yeah. you're like oh my god one of Flix point never is really subtly very big isn't he it's like you know. As kind of superstar, and I didn't quite realize it. I suppose so I was like, "Yeah, I'll go and see One Tricks Point Never." But like the, the room was like you could almost not get in. Like massive, massive, massive crowds, kind of totally packed right to the back. One of the biggest crowds I've seen in that room since since Arca, I think. Yeah, so yeah, was, yeah. Was in the and same. people like going for it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that that's not always kind of one of my questions at Sonar is like, um, and and not a criticism, but like how many people are active listeners of a given artist, and how many people are like we're here, we're going to rave, you know, and, and like, they're up for anything. And the, Well, this is what fascinates me. In fact, this is what I really like about Sonar is you do get this crossover between um, arty stuff, basically, um, and big old, big old rave stuff. I mean, there's a few people at, at playing Sonar. I'm not going to say names, but, like, who I would not go and see, quite frankly, you know, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go and see, you know, there's big, big DJs. And then there's a lot of, there, there, there's a big thing of, like, DJs who are playing who are like, okay, but I'm probably not going to go and see because I'm not really that that fussed about them. And then you do get someone like One of Tricks Point Never drawing, like, a massive crowd, and you do get, like, weird digital art installations, and you do get Marine Hurl up and that, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love. Well, that, that's something I want to get onto, into a bit. It's like, what is Sonar, basically, um, in its 30th in its thirtieth year? Charlotte Dijerine Boris Poupol, I thought, in a way, maybe suffered slightly from that mm. because they were playing... I mean, the new Sonar setup is lovely, really nice. You kind of enter and it's like all under shade. It's yeah, almost like yeah, a yeah. bit of it being under shade and like the rest of the They've lengthened the stage area. It's It's... The long way, no, instead of the yeah. the, the crossways, which is very good. Yeah, like, that's a really really good thing. But it meant that they were playing to loads of people on a very big sound system, and I thought they lost a little bit of the intimacy, maybe. Yeah, although I mean, to their credit, I think they I think they handled it well. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like she's they're they're both really charismatic performers. Yes, they, they yeah. both got tons, and 
they were doing really, I enjoyed the sort of call and response sorts of things they were doing. Boris, you know, they, he had these little like, ooh, ooh, like a syncopated accents that he'd put his hands up. And um, no, I mean, I, th- I thought given the size of the space, I thought they, they, they handled it really well. I think we talked about this a little bit later. The sort of, some, some of the subtlety of their songwriting and the, yeah. I mean, you know, they're singing about like, racism and stuff and it's like and, it, and it's a party and i mean you know i i guess that's also that's but that's part of what they do right i mean they're not yeah, they're yeah. not making like sad or angry music they're you know their music always has that sort of celebratory edge i, I think basically the last time i saw them was primavera weekender which was a really small gig like they played to i don't know 300 people which yeah. is really really good and you could sort of hear hear everything perfectly. And this was quite a big contrast. But then again, then again, we could always have gone close to the front. And True. we didn't. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. know, um, I mean, I, I thought they were great. I thought they were really, really good. But I, I, I guess I'd have maybe preferred them in a slightly sort of, slightly smaller, smaller thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, they were excellent. Another thing I love about Sona's random shit. What was that? What the hell was that Apex Twin installation? <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this morning. Yeah, so we we walk into it was in the in the Sonar Mazde area, right? And yeah. and it's this like a cube, like so three sides of a cube, I guess, right? It's yeah. like and and I couldn't really tell that it was QR code. Well, you you could I mean if you kind of squinted, you could tell it was like a massive three dimensional QR code. Yeah, that when you held up your phone when you you know the camera it was cl- it was the Aphex twin logo yeah. which i couldn't really see with the naked eye but then once i'd seen it on the phone I was yeah. Like, oh yeah but then what happened it triggered me to like download a little app and i did that and and then it runs this crazy like vr thing on your phone and it's beautiful like, yeah 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 did you record that or? i did i did yeah it's quite quite spectacular we can we can tweet that out later but we, we certainly yeah, should yeah. do like basically and you can go and stand in it and you're you're part of it it's absolutely so i'm i i'm still trying to work out if it was me or if it actually did turn blue when when you went and stood in it yeah that was i mean that definitely that happened i saw <laughs> the picture on your but then when you went and stood in it it didn't um it didn't change any of the colors on my phone but I mean, it's, it was just really surreal. It was like the Aphex Twin logo kind of appeared in three dimensions, like in like this sort of neon green text moving. And then there was this sort of like matrixy kind of like num- reign of numbers. Um, yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really something. Kind of really, sh- it's really what you want from the Netflix to an, isn't it? That, that just he's kind of. Well, and I also want it to then give me something free. I mean, th- what I want from the Apex Twin is then when I do his brand activation, I want it to give me like a code for, you know, limited edition merch that will oh. someday put my children through college. That would that would be nice. But, well, you know, I'll take the AR for now. Well, I was wondering, does it have like a new Apex Twin song on the on uh, the, the, the video? Not, to, I mean... And does it have, does it have th- any music on it? Or I, to it? be honest, I don't, I don't remember. That would be weird if it didn't. Um, I mean, he's got enough of them, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I here I have this, I have his app on my phone. Maybe there will be something. I need to download that app. I'm yeah, sure you what, do. Uh, that yeah. is a, that is that is beautiful. It is beautiful. Wow. There's must be music on here. We'll yeah. listen to it later. 
Um, before we move on to Apex Twin and the things we're looking forward to seeing today, what did you make of all like the? I, for various work things, had to go and do like a look at a lot of the AI panels. Did you enjoy them? I mean, I thought the AI panels. So the the only one I really caught in depth was the Databots presentation. Yeah, Databots. From what I kind of gather, is they have been they build models based on like a genre of music or even an artist, right? So yeah. they took like a band, I think it's called Mashuga, which yeah. does sort of gent death metal. I'm I'm not really I think, sure. I think dark metal. Or yeah, de- or and so and then they. Apologies to all metal genre specificists. Um, And then they kind of generate, you know, new music based off that. And uh, I don't know. I I really am struggling with AI, I have to say. I, I, all of this imitative stuff, like Frank Sinatra sings Britney Spears' Toxic. It feels like a parlor trick to me. And... It's like, yeah, that's neat that the computer can do that. But I don't, and this is why I feel, I mean, at at heart, I'm a hater. But like what makes me feel at least ambivalent is that I also recognize that, you know, disruptive technologies, you don't always see where they're going at first. And, you know, when synthesizers came around, um, when sampling first came around, you know, people were very hostile toward them. They're like, they're going to put musicians out of work. Keep synths out of music. It's just, you know, uh, a, a dog barking, you know, being played up and down the keyboard. But it didn't take very long to go from a dog barking to the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique, you know. And so the the sober part, the the... the the open-minded part of me likes to think that somewhere along the line, the creative potential's going to reveal itself. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think, as I said yesterday, the, the next step will be an album made using AI, but not entirely of AI. Right. So, like, you know, somebody is, puts in a prompt to, like, write a song like Stevie Wonder, and it does, and then they and edit then they it. Edit it. Or, I mean, well, of... you know, Patton made his last album, um, or their last album, I'm not sure. Patton's last album was um, using text-to-audio prompts. So, you know, I'm not sure what those prompts were. Uh, So, yeah, I'm sure there's interesting things there. But I feel like, I I don't know. It's hard to separate, it's hard for me to separate AI from the hype around AI and and the sort of Silicon Valley's rush to, like, take the human out of this. I like human creativity. I, I think, I think it's kind of, you know, the best thing we've got going and I don't need to automate, you know, and I don't need a, I don't need like a thousand s- songs no. in this generative death metal style. Like I'm not going to, I have enough music as it is. Well, the person doing the presentation, CJ Carr, he was like, no one's going to listen to this all. Right. I listened to it all and it took me three days and, and it's like, yeah, that didn't sound like you had fun. No, you know? no, exactly. I mean, we need differentiate. I mean, you know, musician, there's a reason musicians only put out so many albums, you know, it's like you you have to edit, you have to self edit, you have to perfect. And when everything is sounds the same, then it loses its value. I, when I was researching an AI piece that I wrote for pitchfork, I 
came across this, one of the very earliest AI sort of artists, and he had programmed an AI to, um, to generate like Bach preludes. No? Yeah. And at a certain point he gave up because he shut it down because basically it, everything was so kind of acceptably good. There was no reason to choose one or the other. Right. Right. And, and that, to me, is kind of depressing. I was just, I mean, I think the availability of music is a really interesting thing because I was just thinking about Aphex Twin. Do you remember when he released all of that music on SoundCloud? Yes, yes, yes. And that was obviously a brilliant, brilliant thing for him to do. And I downloaded all of the songs and I've got them somewhere and I've hardly listened to them. <laughs> me too. Because yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, here's 176 songs. It's like, I don't know what to do with, no, no. with, the, with these songs. Exactly you know? the same. I downloaded them all. Yeah right-clicked, you know, made sure that I had them archived. Yeah. And I, I've i listened to a handful of them. It reminds me of a guy who I used to, when I used to work at Ask Jeeves, the, the <laughs> hallowed internet search engine, <laughs> which used kind of a sort of fake AI in that it was supposed to be a natural language search right. engine, even though it was totally fake and smoke and mirrors. I think my NDA probably doesn't, doesn't apply Does anymore. Anyway? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but there was a guy there who... This was the early days of peer-to-peer of -peer networks and um, Napster and stuff like that. And he, he's, he didn't do any work. He spent all day downloading <laughs> albums and burning them to CD because at that time, that was, yeah. how you, that was how you stored things. And I just remember like he would spend his entire work day feverishly downloading albums and burning them to CD. Maybe he kept them on hard drives. I don't know. But, yeah. but it was like, not actually. You you would never have time to listen to, but this was you know this was pre streaming, and so there was this idea. This it was pre era of abundance, and so it was this idea of oh my gosh, all of this music is yeah. available. I have to get it now. And yeah, it's like it might not be there. It might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think I got to say I like about the streaming era is like it does reduce that somewhat. Like for example, um, I was sent a promo today with a song by an artist, by Peggy Goo, who's an artist uh -huh. I, I quite like, on WAV. And I was like, oh, I should download that. And I was like, it's on streaming today. Am yeah. I going to be DJing it out? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I can, you know <laughs> what? I'll, I'll, I'll. And that, like, maybe that sounds awful, maybe, but like, it's like, I don't need it. I don't think it's like, I can listen to it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always a possibility that it could take be taken off streaming at some point. Yeah. But I don't like her music enough to... To care. I mean, there are certainly things that I download because it's, I want to have it in 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But assuming that I might keep my hard drives running and updated and transferred and all that stuff. But. God, it, it don't. It gives me... It gives me. <laughs> so talking of Apex Twin, he's playing tonight. Is, is this your first time? It is my first time. Wow. I've never seen it. In, in, I think, 29 years of fandom, I've never seen him play, <sighs> which is crazy. Are you excited? I am excited. I have no idea what... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've you know, I've seen enough clips on online that I have some vague idea of what what it might be like. But but like what what I mean, you have some vague idea. What do you think? I mean, like if you think Apex Twin DJing, isn't it? It's not a live thing. But I guess for him, like I don't think the, the, I, the, there's much of a boundary. No, I think it's always kind of a hybrid thing, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I expect. I don't know. I, I mean, musically, I I. I sort of think I have an idea of what, what we're going to get. What, I don't know what sort of the visual aspect is going to be. I don't know if he's still doing that face mapping thing that he did a while ago or um, I don't know, this VR thing that we saw yesterday. 
suggest to me maybe it'll be graphics kind of along those lines. I don't know. I don't know. I oh, I really need to download that because it's probably gonna. They might come in use tonight oh, at some point. That, oh, I bet I you're come. right. Yeah. No, I, I, he was. Um, he's been playing a few a few festivals. I mean, I like. I kind of like the fact that he's a lot more available these days. You know, there was so many years when he didn't really do anything. And then he came back and did some gates. It's like, oh my god! And now I think this summer he's playing ten or something. Wow. Like that. And people, well, well. Are, you know, still really really excited. But it's like. He's a working working musician, yeah, working yeah. DJ, you know. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, someone has uploaded all of his set from like some Danish festival, I think it was. And I started to listen to it, but the, the, the recording was awful. Oh, like a crowd recording yeah, like on their phone. No, no, no. You don't need that. Exactly. Um, and Fever Ray. I'm very excited about Fever Ray. You, again, you've never seen them live, no, right? No, I've seen... Wait. Uh, no, I don't think so. I've seen The Knife oh. twice. I saw The Knife Silent Shout Tour. I... If I can just toot my own horn here, of course, yeah. yeah. I opened for the nice, what? the nice silent shout no, show it um, in New York. I forget the name of the venue. It was just this very random thing. I was in New York that um, weekend for work, and I got a call from I. I think it must have been like their um, like booking agent, who I knew kind of, and he was like, they they requested a DJ. That can play like very unobtrusively, mm. like minimal techno and ambient. And I was like, "Yes, yes, I'll do it." And um, I actually didn't. Uh, I didn't have any records with me, and this was like pre pre digital DJing. And so I went to Kim's Video, which was a, a great New York record store, and I went to Other Music, and I spent hundreds of dollars, mostly on records that I already had, of like course, yeah. the Dettinger record on Compact and things like that, just to have you know have something to play. And um, it was very weird. I remember uh, the the turntables were set up like in the balcony where the seating was. It was it was very it, it was like. It was more. It wasn't like I was opening for the knife. I was really like, yeah, you were, yeah, playing, you were Come playing on. music while people were coming in. You know, it was much more of a scene setting kind of thing. But it was, it was cool. It was pretty you great. You were the Clash opening for the Who at Shea Stadium. That's no, basically what it was. People have said yes. <laughs> did you meet them? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not. Once, many years later, I met Olaf somewhere, maybe at at Unsound, and I was really drunk. And I and I gushed about the experience, and I'm sure that he thinks that I'm freaking weird. Uh, oh, you know, you know. I, the only time I ever saw the knife was when they did their opera, and I'm not oh. sure. I'm not sure if that counts. I'm not. I, I'm not sure if they were there or not. I really mm. can't remember. I know because you know it was like done out for for an orchestra, and I. I mean, it, it was it was billed as the knife, but if they, I don't know. If they yeah, were, you know, I don't know if that quite counts. Like they. Did they play at Sonar one year? Because I know I've seen them, or maybe it was Primavera. I know I've seen them somewhere doing like one of the the, the show with like a lot of kind of dance. If it, uh, I didn't see if if I could swear that was Sonar, but I I could be wrong. It could be, um, but. Uh, so Fever Ray, Fever Ray, I have seen. I saw Fever Ray at Primavera, in fact, three, four years ago, something like that, and it was spectacular. I mean, it was literally spectacular in that the, the show was incredible, like loads of dancers, very theatrical, really, 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 really enjoyed it. So I think we're gonna, it's going to be kind of like the same, the same thing tonight. And uh, the recent album, 
was Radical Romantics one of the album of the year? Mm, for some people. I you know, I, know you. I, I I like it. I haven't gone back to it much. I feel like I don't I feel like with Fever Ray, like it felt very similar in tone to the previous stuff and I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really like Fever Ray, but it's it's not something that I reach for very often somehow. Mm. I don't know why, but... It's quite hard to find a place for it in your, in your day, maybe, maybe. Because you kind of need to concentrate. It doesn't really work as background music, which is a, a good thing, I guess. But, like, you know, that means... I mean, you're not going to put it on me having breakfast. No, probably. it would be, you know, it would be good, it would be good car music. It would be good, like, yeah. driving music. Um, I should, I should put that on, actually, see what my daughter thinks of that in the drive to school. What's with the weird voices? <laughs> well, particularly, there, there's, that, there's that track about uh, Karen's... Uh, about their bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah or their well, kid's bully. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's fascinating, that. Yeah. <laughs> and they were going to put the actual name in as well. I, that would have been legal jeopardy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably not, not a good thing. Um, what else are you looking forward to say? I've got a, I've got a list. Share your list with me. Okay, Let me pull up the Bendik uh, Giska. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm that's that's on my that's I've got that saved in my app. That's that's one of I've seen Bendik play before. Well, we both did at um, Mutech. Yes, Mutech yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, no? well, yeah, same yeah. thing where we saw Marina. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I I think he's great. I'm excited. Yeah, fab- fabulous. Uh, Dessert, who are kind of a Barcelona band. A bit shoegazy, bit electronicy. Really okay. good. Uh, Crystal Murray, who is this, uh, I think, French singer, kind of do, does like very big disco kind of things. Mike Q, I really want to see. Okay. Get, get some ballroom yeah, action yeah, yeah. in. I don't think I'll be able to dance quite as well as most people, but you know. Uh, the Blessed Madonna, always good. Elsa Rose, to see if we, you know, get the baddest of them all. Um, <laughs> and then there's a lot of things at night that I'm almost certain not, not going to see. to see. But yeah. I would love to see uh, EZ. He's one of my favorite DJs. And oh, I'd okay. love to see DJ Markey. Let me see. Where's the night stuff? I'm trying to trying to pull it up. But um, I'm, I, I think Ryoji Ikeda could be cool. Mm-hmm. That's going to be in the hall. I'm sure that'll be, like, quite full-on um, and sort of sensori- sensorily overwhelming in a fun way um lorenzo senni i'm sure will be good lorenzo senni that's in the sonar park manzo manzo is always good yeah yeah. yeah. Um, i soon once do a sonar show at my local metro station really yeah it was like one year it was like sonar in the metro oh that's cool and even I think they even did it a few years, and it was like, oh, yeah, this is happening in, in you know, Arc de Triomphe, near where I live. And I was like, well, let's see let's see what this is. I kind of Might went well. down. And it was like probably the most difficult circumstances you can imagine for a gig, like in, you know, in part of the metro, people passing by, and they put up a little stage there. And he really went for it. And I got so much respect for him. Like, it was like full-on show, you know, because he, he, you've seen him live, right? I don't think so, no. He really performs. Really performs, like, kind of has, like, things, like, he... I remember he, like, had an apple, and he ate a bit of an apple and gave it out to the crowd, and he was, like, dancing, wow. doing these, like, kind of crazy dances. This is pre-COVID, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine that, in it, doing that yeah. in the Metro at, like, 4 p.m. or wow. something like that? Wow. Really, really good. Really oh, recommended. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Anything else, Jim? Uh Yeah. Cl- uh, Clara Lewis and Nick Kolk Void with Pedro Maya doing visuals. I think mm. that'll be really interesting. That's, that's in the complex, apparently. 
Uh, I always like Pedro Maya's work a lot, and uh, yeah, I think that'll be good. Also, um, Saturday, I was looking forward to to what I want to go and see on Saturday. And what really interested me is the two things Saturday day that really interest me are Fran prevents Vimar disc play and Nick Leon. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, big uh, Latin American. Yeah, 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 on. that's true. Yeah, I'm very excited to see Nick uh, Leon's sonar because he's playing in the Sonar Village as well, which is going to be. Did you did you see his tweet the other day that after Primavera, somebody texted him, they like DM'd him, and they're like, "Nice Primavera set," and then the clown emoji, and um, then they said, "We wanted techno, and you played that." And, oh and what is wrong and, with people? And, but his response was great. He just responded like crying, laughing emoji, and it got. I mean, whatever the responses on Twitter were, pe- people were just you know. Why would you do that? Because you're a dick. I mean, that's just because like, <laughs> you're stupid. Because you're close-minded. Like, I don't know. I'm really interested to see Nick Leon because he had one of the tunes of last year. Yeah, he, in a way. I mean, he had a great, great, great 2022, and it seems to continue in 2023. And I just want to see, like, I've never seen him DJ. Uh, I've heard sets of his, but I just want to see what he's like. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, how it, how it sounds and how many people there's going to be. Like, oh, or will it be, be everyone? Insane. But will it? You never quite know. I mean, so, dude, Sonar Village, 6.15 in the afternoon on Saturday. But will it be just be people who are like, I want a techno, you clown? Or no. What? I don't because I mean there's almost no techno in Sonar Village anyway you know what I mean like I mean the Sonar Village crowd is probably the easiest crowd in some ways because they're just up for it you know what I mean I mean no no disrespect to them but they they're they want to party and I don't know what it's not disrespect that's the the I mean you know um and I'm I'm assuming he's going to bring the party maybe he'll play ambient for an hour and a half who knows (laughs) You wanted you wanted Latin American tinged house, so you've got ambient. <laughs> that would be quite good. And Fran, I was just looking up, he's doing a live show um, that pays tribute to Caracas Mini Tecas mobile street sound systems that led to an explosion of electronic dance music in Venezuela in the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, Fran is a really good DJ, really good um, producer, really nice person as well. Yeah, I've got yeah, a yeah. lot, a lot of time for him. And this sounds like something really new and brilliant yeah. that he's going to like music we haven't heard like a whole I mean we're going to learn stuff it's going to be really cool what, what do you think of like I mean it's very easy for me to say that Latin America is having more of an influence on electronic music but what do you think of that kind of phenomenon hmm I mean I think it is but maybe in more limited in a more limited sense I still think the the number of of Latin American, um, particularly, well, you know, South American, Central American, Mexican um, DJs and producers who who are really getting to see a lot from in the north. I, I think the numbers are pretty small. I mean, mm. there are, you know, I mean, there's there's people doing amazing stuff. The Tra Tra Tracks label is yeah, really yeah. really cool, but I I don't know. It feels like early days somehow. I think you know. I I think they are sort of like fighting an uphill battle to get heard, you know? Um, doesn't help that, you know, touring is getting harder and harder, mm. you know, plane fares getting more and more expensive. And so for a lot of them to get over to Europe and play is, is prohibitively expensive. 
But do, I mean, why do you think there's such an uphill battle? I mean, because they're producing, you know, there are there are the odd hits. You know, people are doing well. You know, there's certainly media attention on Latin American dance music. But yeah, I mean, I just think I, I guess I I hope that it's a sustained thing and not yeah. a and not a like this is the trend of 2022, 2023. You know, I want to see careers being built and and the interest maintained. You know? Yeah. Um, and then Saturday night, I've got down too many DJs. Invite Peach and Tiga, mm. uh, Sticky MA, and Anz. I really want to see Anz. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's a great DJ. Um, somebody sonar by day tomorrow that I forgot to mention is Lucrecia Adult, which is ah, yeah. Be, that's I saw her show. It's her and this um, percussionist. Um, I saw them at Unsound. Uh, last fall and it was phenomenal it was great and that was the i believe the debut of that particular show which is her new the show based on um i and so you know they've been touring that extensively for for nine months now and i think it's going to be really really good you interviewed her right i did i went to mallorca and i spent the day uh while she was shooting uh she was shooting a video um, with Ina Clement, who's a photographer and videographer um, and close friend of hers who lives in Mallorca. And uh, yeah, she was, she was great. She's really, really fascinating to talk to um, and just like a very nice person and, and very funny and creative and awesome. So what I kind of mentioned it earlier, hinted at it, what role do you think Sonar plays in the world of electronic music in 2023? Like it's, it's, their 30th anniversary it's yeah. incredible they managed to keep going for this year it's incredible loads of people still go it was really busy yesterday um and i would still say it's a reference you know I, I think it is i mean it's the world of electronic music has changed so much in the even in the past 10 years you know i think yeah. i think um obviously the internet has changed things i think streaming has changed things a lot i mean club culture is different than it was um dance culture is it's more fragmented than ever which in a way actually i think probably benefits sonar because sonar was never mm, monolithic sonar was mm. never just one thing you know and and um they were always about like well this is the entire panorama you know you're yeah. going to go and you're going to see, you know, a noise artist like Francisco Lopez, and you're going to see Matthew Herbert, and you're going to see Richie Houghton, you know, and, and all of these things that really don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah. And that actually, that is really how people engage with electronic music now, I think. I mean... In that people do aren't aren't just like right. I'm just going to see house or exactly. Whatever. It's like, and the, the people that do that are just like I I just like house and techno. Well, they have off off week and yeah, know, and that's there for them. But yeah, off off sonar. I mean, it's not generally to my taste. To be honest, mm. um, it's not. It is quite standard. It's your Dixons and your. I, I don't. I've got no idea who's playing. Who's playing this? Has it? kind of fallen in stature i don't feel like you hear so much about it anymore i know it's still on but well they've got like i mean it's it's official now it's like official thing well, yeah and like sonar bought it right at some point sonar like took it under their wing i th I don't know if they bought it but yeah um and i just look i mean they're doing things up at the pueblo espanol mm. um and they seem to be i think raresh and those the romanians are doing a thing and 
Yeah, I mean, it seems to be sold out. There's like an Elro, Elro thing. There's like Brunch Electronic. Um, yeah. There's so Sotoko Loco. There's, um, yeah, like I say, not 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 my taste, but sort of does seem to be doing okay. I think I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest, right? When sometimes when I see people who are going to off sonar things, I just want to like be like, you could go to this. Oh come on! You could go and see Apex Twin. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. on, come on! Just like shake them. Um, which I, is- I always had that feeling as well. I mean, also like the sort of the Sonar Week has changed so much as well, and I think Off Week probably had quite a bit to do with this because once upon a time, everybody in Europe came to Barcelona yeah. for Sonar Week. Every label was here. Every DJ was here, and and there were a million little events going on, you know, like Compact had its beach parties at yeah. the Chiringuitos and like every single bar and discoteca had had events going on. Uh, it was almost sort of like um, like the Winter Music Conference in, in yeah, Miami, yeah. you know. And, and so, you know, and some people came to Sonar by day and then went to the clubs at night and some people kind of mixed and matched. And, yeah. And that whole sort of ecosystem I feel like has really died off. I've heard of bear I mean obviously Nizza still does yeah. does stuff. Um but they're kind of like almost the only place that's that's still doing independent events. I mean yeah, I don't know. The the I've been thinking about that a little bit because to, today uh Clone is doing a, a pop-up shop at um 3345 in in the Reval and I'm going to be there later on um, 7 o'clock. Be 7 there, o'clock. Or- um with uh, with Albert with Wookie, we're doing a little, um, and and Mario Lucient, we're doing a little um, uh, Balmat uh, lapsus showcase. But that was making me think of like, oh yeah, that used to be how Barcelona felt in in Sonar Week, and that's I see. I used away. I used to love the extra stuff, <clears throat> like the kind of randoms like. Oh, and like Richie Horton's playing this small gig to promote his sake. It's like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Or Richie Horton's playing the skate park. Or uh, it's not always Richie Horton, but like, it often was. <laughs> it was often Richie Horton. But no, but yeah, there were just a million little things going on. I mean, the era of the beach parties when, you know, when Compact had their <clears throat> beach parties at the Chiringuitos, you know, that, and in fact, Minus also had their beach parties. But that was, that was great, great fun. Um, but I don't know what changed. I, I, I wonder if in part, off week becoming like a formalized thing. It kind of took up all of those events and brought them under its umbrella, sort of squeezed out some of the, and then, and then also just, you know, club culture evolved. Maybe festival culture became so um, globalized in a way that like people have less reason to, to pay to come to Barcelona for a week the way they used to do. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously label budgets are not what they once were. People aren't selling as many mm. as many records, um, and but it, I mean, it used to slightly annoy me because you'd be like, "Well, this is Sonar Week, and suddenly everything's happening." Yeah, you know, yeah, why, yeah, didn't yeah. You, why didn't you come the next I, week? Exactly, as a yeah. Barcelona resident, that always annoyed me because it was like, you know, there's there were times of the year that it felt a bit like a desert, you know, and yeah. so it's like, yeah, you could come and do your showcase, you know, in, in November. So talking of Bal- uh, of uh, Balmat, which is your label mm-hmm. with with Albert Salinas with Wookie, yeah. Um, your sixth uh, album is coming out soon. Yes, by Ilya. Ilya. Um, what's it? What's it like running a label? Twenty twenty three. Um, I mean, honestly, 
<laughs> for me, it's pretty easy because Albert does all the real work. Oh. He's, I mean, Albert, you know, he's been running Lapsus for more than 15 years now, I think. And, and he's, he's, he seems to be quite good at it. So he really handles all of the sort of logistical stuff. And, um, I mean, for me, it's much more of a creative, I mean, we work together closely creatively on, on, um, you know, selecting music for the label, but he does all the hard work. Like, because he does the sort of uh, legal paperwork and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, legal paperwork and, you know, and and procurement and, and you know, actually getting the records made and, and things like that. I mean, he's he's really in charge of all of that stuff. And you do A&R? Kind of basically. Well, uh, I mean, we both do A and R right. together. I mean, it's fifty-fifty, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a totally collaborative relationship in terms of like when we, uh, you know, maybe we've got a demo or we've solicited the demo. Um, I mean, a lot of times we've we may be sifting through you know thirty or forty tracks and figuring out what goes on the record, and we kind of have a system of. Spreadsheets, ratings, and and comments, and and stuff to to figure out the final shape of things. So, um, for example, I wonder, but because your fifth release, um, you'd released that really good records: Luke Sanger, Hovey, Patricia mm-hmm. Wolf, Nuine. Um, but your fifth was by uh, Mike Paradinus, music, who's a who's a really legendary name, yeah, a rising rising artist. Yeah, no, maybe <laughs> nobody knows him. Yeah. Um, was was that very very different? Like, I mean, if if Mike Paradinus sort of, I mean, I don't have a label, but if he kind of said, "I'd like to release something on your label," I think I'd probably scream for about an hour, then run around excitedly, and then be like, "Oh my god, what am I going to do?" I'll I think like, there was some screaming. There, yeah, <laughs> because like I might screw it up, and yeah, I really wouldn't yeah, like yeah. to screw it, you know. But like, was it was it very different? Like, I don't think it was really. I mean. Not particularly. I mean, he he came to us. We were thrilled. We were blown away. We couldn't believe our luck. And um, that was a situation where he gave us many more tracks than than yeah. we needed, and we kind of whittled them down. I don't think I don't think there were any like revisions or, or edits or anything like that. It was really just like we think this is a good yeah. track listing. You know, about twenty four minutes per side or whatever, and. Um, and yeah, and we, we had that set. I think it's our, if I'm not mistaken, it's our first double LP. So that was exciting. Um, and yeah, no, no, it's. And people still buy records, right? I think that one. People that, are still buying records. Yeah. Because you, you, I think you sold out that one or you sold out uh, the special let edition. Let me tell you, I think we may have the special edition still. See, this is, this is why you should have Albert on here and not me. He would know. Well, there was a uh, a transparent vinyl and lithographic print, which you yeah. ain't getting your hands on. There's a black vinyl, which you ain't getting your hands on. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you could get the CD or you could get the um, digital album. But if Interesting. Want- yeah, yeah. So oh, this was our first CD release, which I think is really right. cool. That's exciting. And yeah, so it looks like the vinyls sold out there. Um, Bleep had a really nice colored vinyl edition and they may still have it. I'm not sure. And uh, the Elia records, uh, how did that come out? The, wh- which what? Oh, the Elia. Um, Am I saying that right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just I <laughs> didn't hear you for a second. Um, how did that come about? Or yeah, I mean, like she's a local producer. Yeah, um, she she had done. I mean, I know she had done something 
for a lapsus compilation somewhere in recent years. And I, I think it was, I think we just, we talked to her after Mostra festival last year because Albert and I did a, a, a lapsus, I mean a Balmat uh, DJ set there, an ambient DJ set. And then she played after us and she did a really, really cool live show. Mm. And, Maybe we'd already talked to her before this. I don't remember. But anyway, we, we were just in talks with her. And um, it took quite a while. She had sent us some demos um, or some rough sketches that we really, really liked and kind of sent back some ideas and some feedback because she they were things that she wanted to yeah. continue working on. They were sort of based on um, improvisations that she had done um, with some sort of minimal editing. And we're like, this is a really interesting idea. This mm. is a really cool texture or instrumentation or whatever. And it took quite a while um, to get that, to, to, to get the finished album from her. And I think in the end, um, she, she sent us an album. And I feel like it was maybe seven tracks. And we're like, it's missing. It's just missing one thing. And the, the final track she made for us was, was like my favorite of the whole album. So it's really fun when you get through that process of, of, you know, working with the artist and talking to them and encouraging them to get that, to feel like all the pieces are falling into place. Was that difficult though? Like she's gone to all of this effort. She sent in a really good album. It surely must've been difficult to be like, they're just missing one. Well, I mean, you just, I, I think in this case, maybe it was easier because it was also a length thing, you know, it was like, oh, we right. would love to get this, <clears throat> mm. you know, closer to 40, whatever minutes. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously you, you know, you, you, you want to work with the artist. It's you, you don't yeah. want to impose your vision um, ever. Um, and so you're DJing tonight at seven. At the- yeah, seven to eight, and then Lucient is from eight to nine doing a lapsus showcase. Kind of ambient stuff. We're going to be doing ambient stuff, um, and Lucient will be doing, I think, more of a lapsus style, kind of all over the place. And it's free. It, yeah, I believe it is free. Yeah, and I think there will be some there will be some records. There will be some merch. Clone's going to have their whole pop up shop there. So, Balmat Records. Uh, there better be. I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope oh, I can get my out. hands on some because I think I only have the first two, maybe three records. I actually haven't touched some of them. So, I've got to say, when you did your your Balmat event, I was going to buy a t shirt. I know this is a long time. I keep on saying I was going to buy a t shirt, and I sort of stood by by your stand for a bit, and like no one was there. And then I, I kind of wandered off and forgot. So that's, uh, you know, I think you can right. up your commercial, your okay, commercial so instincts. Okay, we, so we need to have somebody at the stand is what you're telling us. Y- yeah, okay. that's All sort right. of the traditional way. All right. You probably could have just lifted it and walked on off and nobody would have known. I wouldn't have felt great. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably probably could have done. But um, before we go, tell us about your Substack. Ah, yeah. So I have a Substack, uh, a weekly newsletter called Futurism Restated. It's futurismrestated.substack.com. Nice. Um, Futurism Restated is a Minutemen song, the, the, the San Pedro, California punk band that was on SST in the 1980s. And um, it's just a name that I always kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to use for something. And a few months ago when I was like, ah, I really should do a Substack. It just kind of came to mind. So I, I um, so far, I've been keeping it very simple. Um, I just, every week, I just write some very short reviews of records mm. that uh, I think people should hear. Um, because I, I was complaining to my, to my wife, something I do periodically, <laughs> complain. <laughs> 
<laughs> frequently. Um, that that there was just too much music. Yeah. That there was too much great music that I didn't get a chance to write about. You know, for Pitchfork, I only review like four albums a month, and and it causes me a lot of stress and anxiety when I have like labels and publicists like emailing me about stuff and I'm like, yeah, I, I love your record, but I just, I can't write about it. And, and yeah. I was saying all this to my wife and she's like, well, why don't you just make your newsletter about that? I'm like, oh, wow, that's so easy. <laughs> that is, I mean, it, it's kind of obvious, and but like... It's been really cool because like, I, it's actually lessened my stress considerably, wow. you know, because it's like now I can be like, and I obviously I realize it's not the same, you know, to have your record reviewed in, in Pitchfork or on my little, you know, 1500 subscriber newsletter, but still it's... It's out there, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. I'm enjoying, I enjoy the writing. Um, you know, it feels very low stakes. It, it lets me experiment a little bit and do things that I maybe wouldn't do, you know, in a formal piece and it's fun. 1500 is pretty good. I and mean, that's in like yeah, I think it's a okay. couple of months or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and there's, um, how, how did you go about sort of doing the whole paid? Well, I'm, I'm still kind of figuring that out. There's. I mean, you can pay if you want to. Yeah, do pay. I, I left the paid tier um, turned on. It's I think fifty bucks annually or five dollars a month. Um, right now, there's no real bonuses. I've done one um, paid only art. Did I do a paid only article? Um, you, I did. Really I did. A, I did it. a soft. No, no. I mean, <laughs> no bonuses. <laughs> I did a soft pink truth. Um, a, like a reprint of a feature right. that I did in the early 2000s that had gone out of print because San Francisco Weekly no longer exists. And so I put that up recently. It's behind the paywall. Um, I have a couple other things that I'm working on. My my goal for the paid content is to um, is to have like exclusive interviews with artists, um, just a little you know reward for the people that do pay. There's also, um, I'm maintaining uh, Spotify and Apple Music playlist of all of the music that I cover uh, right. And that's only available to to subscribers, so you know there are some some perks. Uh, and I wanted to get a new music. I mean, you're all about new music recommendations in <laughs> in in your Substack, but give us one. Go on, go on. Yeah. The the new Anthony Naples record, um, Orbs, I believe it's called, is is just great. I mean, I love Anthony Naples' work in general. I think he's, I think he's one of the most kind of interesting and and original artists on in sort of like club adjacent music um he you know he first was known for making house and techno and he still he still does certainly his eps but his he's really been moving in a more kind of ambient and experimental direction his last album um was almost like had elements of kind of post-rock in it it was one that he had recorded during the pandemic and he had he just like set up a bunch of gear in his studio in his in his home like you know bass drums guitar and recorded all of that stuff and he he said in an interview i, I think in in um Sean Ronaldo's first floor newsletter that he had um tried to pretend to himself that he was producing another band to kind of get over right, um, right. writer's block you know like well i have all this material now how would i produce this yeah and this album feels similar to me. I mean, it's also very down-tempo. It's very mellow. I got a lot of vibes of, like, vintage 90s, like, down-tempo and chill-out music. I heard, like, Kruder and Dorfmeister in several songs. 
And it was funny because I he emailed me after my Pitchfork review and he's like, oh, wow, I've never heard Kruder and Dorfmeister. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> I'm glad he was, he, was, he was happy about that. I remember like writing about a, a review of, of X. I'm not going to say who mm. X is. And saying, oh, it sounds a bit like this. And got, I got a very snotty email from me like, well, it can't sound like that because I've never listened to that. Ha! Wow. Like, All right, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I can't wait to get off off the air and find out who yeah, you're talking about. Was, uh, Rhymes with? Um, do you know what? I've literally actually forgotten the, <laughs> forgotten the name. I, I, I can remember they're from a very small island. Um Oh, right. Yes. Rhymes with, if I tell you who it rhymes with, you'll get it straight away. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, What's their island rhyme with? <laughs> Smiceland. <laughs> Smiceland. Okay. okay. I, I, I'm not, not telling you anything. You pissed off Bjork. That's a shame. <laughs> if, if I'd got a snotty email from Bjork, my life would have been absolutely complete. That it would, would be been... framed on the wall. In exactly. The like area. printing out and everyone. <laughs> Um, so that's the new Anthony Naples album. Uh, sound, you also reference Air, and as you know, I absolutely love Air. Um, I wonder, last, last kind of thing, because time is running out, well, what do you make of Pangaea basically producing <sighs> all of the all of the hits of the summer? What's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I can't wait to hear the whole album, because I guess they're, they're, so far they're singles for the, the yeah. albums coming out in October, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, because like Pangaea or Pangaea, I never know how to say it, like... I always thought of his music as being sort of darker and more stern. And I mean, I, maybe I just hadn't been paying close attention. Um, I mean, Bone Sucker, was that what it was called from like 2018? It was like a re you know, quite big anthem, yeah, yeah, yeah. but still quite dark. And all of a sudden, like, there's this like tech house, garage, little big B. With a hook. With a, with a hook. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's phenomenal. I mean, th those those three singles so far are by by far some of my favorite songs of, of the season. I We must surely hear them at Sonar, surely. I hope so. I mean, it's funny because, like, I, I mean, I don't think it's any real secret. Like, I, I don't go out clubbing <laughs> much ever anymore. I mean, you know, for, you know, island residencies and also age and family commitments and whatever. But those new singles really make me want to go dancing. Um, there's also, I wanted to, to big up, there's a, do you know YUQT? No. Sort of, they make like new UK garage kind of thing. And uh, they've done a new song called You're Ready for This, which, yes, yes. <laughs> with the sample? With, yeah. You're ready the, for this. Well, they sample that and the synth thrift from, from Tour Unlimited. Wow. It, is, it is absolutely on the verge of brilliant. Shameless. <laughs> absolutely terrible. But um, I, I kind of love it and I kind of want to hear it. Sounds uh, like something I'll be hearing in my gym soon. It might be. Does your gym play sort of drum and bass? No, my gym plays a lot of like EDM covers, basically. Great. No, <laughs> not great. It's terrible. Okay, we're going to play out with 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 one song um, because we have to go. Uh, and I'm thinking the new Ilia, the most recent single. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, she used to have a, a y'all ready for this sample in there, but we were like, yeah, it's not really very bombard. I would really have gone for it. Y'all ready for this. <laughs> Right, 7 o'clock tonight, be there or be a very boring person indeed. Uh, this is Ilya uh, with Arm Agari and Tete Leal. It's always uh, Yeah, Tete Leal. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. It was fun. <laughs> 